Isaiah 53 verse 6 is the verse we're looking at today. And as Frank's already said, the wanderers and the mighty God is the title. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the beginning, God created. On the first day, he said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke and it was done. He separated light from darkness. And he went on to the next five days creating the heavens, celestial bodies in the skies, the oceans, dry land, plants, trees, fish, beasts of the earth, birds, and all the creeping things. And on the sixth day, and the last day of his creative work, God made man, his crown, if you like, of creation. He made male and female in his image, although that is being severely challenged in this day and age, but he did. He made male and he made female in his own image. The crown of his creation, upon looking at all that he had made, what did he say? He looked and he said, it is very good. Adam and his wife had dominion over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, over all those creeping things that God had made, everything on the earth that moved. And really, if you think about the communion that they had with God, it was something that really is beyond what we can imagine. They were in a blameless, perfect state, and their communion with God was sweet. Let me tell you this, they had a good life. They had a wonderful life until they disobeyed God. Then this devastating sin caused them and all mankind comes henceforth to lose the most wonderful communion and unity with the God who created them. They lost it. Wanderers they became. Our text tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their eyes were opened and they saw and they knew that they were naked. And what did they do? Well, they were embarrassed. They were afraid. They tried to fix the problem by themselves. And so they took uh, foliage from the trees and decided to try and cover their intimate parts so that they were no longer naked. But they tried to hide from God even after they'd done that. As God walked in the cool of the day in the garden, which he seems to have done with them, they hid from him. Let me also bring Cain to your attention. Cain is the firstborn son of Adam and Eve. Cain and then Abel. Cain was a tiller of the ground and Abel, his brother, was a keeper of sheep. The time came for an offering to be made to the Lord and, and Cain brought fruit from the ground. He 
brought forth all what came from the ground to the Lord. And Abel, he brought the firstborn of the flock of sheep. How and when this offering came into being is not revealed right here. But it stands to reason that nobody would just kind of think, hey, let's, let's go and give an offering to the Lord. Nobody would think of that just by themselves for no reason. So it kind of stands to reason then that, that his parents, it was the way of the parents, it was the way of Adam and Eve, hence coming from God when he killed the animal and made clothes for them. It seems to have stemmed from there. So his parents would have been giving offerings already. They would have learned this. And now comes the time, it seems, where they were old enough to bring forth an offering of their own. <clears throat> Cain's offering, as we know, wasn't accepted by God. He refused it. He wasn't accepted or not accepted because he offered that which was of much less value, not just that alone but because he offered it without faith. He brought forth that which from the ground. And if you want to look into it, it's interesting that you see he brought something forth out of the ground that God had cursed. And Abel brought forth that which was the first, the firstborn of his flock. The commentator says this, because it was offered in a formal and hypocritical manner, without any regard to the Messiah and his sacrifice. Now you might say to yourself, well, the Messiah wasn't there. How did they know? Well, they knew because God had told Adam and Eve that a Messiah would come. In Genesis, 15, uh, Genesis 3, 15, he said, didn't he, to the woman that there would be that serpent that would bruise the heel of your offspring and he would crush his head. We already know that he promised to save you. So he would have, uh, what happened in those days was this was, was kind of taken down orally to their posterity. They would have known. So he says he did this in a hypocritical manner without any regards to the Messiah and his sacrifice, without any view to the glory of God. No notice was taken, no approbation was given of it by the above token or any other that it was manifest to Cain himself that God did not approve it. Cain knew it. He wasn't pleased with it, but he was his brother's. See, Cain brought this offering from the ground. Abel offered with thought and care. And he offered as to the prophecy that was given to Eve of the one who would come to bruise the head of the serpent. He offered that which represented Christ. We see, don't we? that ever since that time, the representation of this sacrifice would be the lamb, which he brought forth. It was going to be the type of the types of sacrifices from there on. He offered with faith. He offered with sincerity. The point really here is that Cain just went his own way. He did his own thing. And he accepted, he expected, sorry, it to be accepted. That's why he was angry with God. Why have you not accepted mine? He was angry with God. Because he just thought he could just get away with doing what he wanted to do, offering what he wanted to offer without any faith, without any approbation to the glory of God. And he accepted, he expected it to be accepted. 
So then he, in all of his anger and jealousy and envy, killed his brother in a fit of rage, causing God to subsequently punish him. You remember how he was punished? He was sent away. The punishment of Cain is in Genesis 4, verses 11 and 12. And it says this, So now are you cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. And then he says this, A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. <coughs> he sinned against God and he became a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. A wanderer. Adam and Eve hid from God, came, became a vagabond and a fugitive. They became wanderers. We're also told in Genesis 16:12 that Ishmael, you remember Ishmael, what does his name mean? Ishmael means wild man. That he would be one who is wild. It has the sense of an ass running wild on its own. And that's what his name meant. He was a wild man. And of course, he was the son of the slave woman, not Isaac, who was the son of the free woman. For decades, right up until the death of Joshua, Israel fought and conquered most, not all, but most, of the places that God had commanded them to conquer. And yet no sooner had they gone into the promised land that they did evil in the sight of the Lord and they forsook the Lord their God of their fathers and they began to follow the gods of the people around them. No sooner. Imagine all that time that went by that they were with God, seeing all the things that they saw all those years in the wilderness. And as soon as they got what God promised them, they just forgot all about it. They married into the nations. They gave birth then to mixed children that God had commanded them not to do. And they just started to worship the gods of the women they married. And in a, in a sense, you could look further down the line and see the same thing happen to Solomon with all his concubines. They changed him. This is typical of all mankind from the fall of Adam and Eve right up to this very day. It's true, isn't it? All we like sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's the truth of it. That's where we find ourselves. The Bible says that until Christ came, all sat enveloped in darkness. Jesus speaks about the blind leading the blind. Romans in chapters 1 to 3 reveal to us that both Jew and Gentile are all under sin. Every one of us, that's what the first three chapters of Romans are about. We'll probably look at that on Tuesday, discuss that on Tuesday. That's what the first three chapters tell us. The Jews, they think that they're already in. We, you know, we tick the boxes. We've got it going for us. The Gentiles, those dogs, they've not got a chance. But the reality is we're all consigned unto disobedience. We're all sinners. 
There is no one who is righteous. No one who understands. No one who seeks after God, not one who does good. And then in Romans 8, Paul tells his readers that those who live according to the flesh, the sons of disobedience, which he speaks of in Ephesians 2.2, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's what we are by nature. Our minds are consumed with ourselves, with carnality. What does carnal mean? It means, simply means worldly. We're people of the world. We're sons of disobedience, carnally minded and dead, absolutely at enmity with God, and we have no desire nor any ability to please him whatsoever. That's the state of everyone, every person, every man, every woman, every child born in iniquity. Wanderers by nature. That's what we are. Romans 3.19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. All the world is guilty. Condemned wanderers, vagabonds and sheep, who constantly stray is the predicament of the whole world outside of Christ and his mercy and his grace. You look outside, do you, do you, do you look and think? You watch things, you watch people, you watch the world. And that's all people are doing. Just wandering around, living the life that they've just happened to have because they were just born. They were born into a world that wasn't their fault. The parents came together. They were born and they're making the best of it. They're just living, just wandering around aimlessly to some degree from one thing to another through life until they realize that it's time to retire. And then what? You get to the end. Wanderers, wanderers. That's what we are. Condemned wanderers, vagabonds, sheep. That's the predicament of all outside God's grace and mercy. So Paul makes it clear in Ephesians 2, 11 and 12, he says this, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time, at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And we could say, yes, he's speaking of the Gentiles there. He is, of course. And he talks about how the Gentiles have been grafted in. But as I've said already, Romans 1 to 3 says that Jew and Gentile are all without him. And so in that sense, we're all outside of his commonwealth, aren't we? All without God, without hope, alone and lost without God in the world. Well, that says to me, we're just wanderers. And that's what the scripture says in Isaiah 53. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've wandered. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. <coughs> but that's not where we finish. We don't finish there because in the title it says wanderers, which we've looked and we've seen. 
but it says, and a mighty God. And we serve a mighty God. There is a mighty God who is alive in this world. He is in control in this world. It is his world, and we are his, his people. He is a mighty God. And in the song that we're going to sing in a few minutes, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, one of the verses says this, Jesus sought me when a stranger, when I was a wanderer, when I was a stranger. And it says this, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. We were wandering. We were strangers. And in order for him to cause us to be found, he interposed, he spilled, he gave his blood for us. What a, what a verse. What a mighty God we serve. Psalm 139. Read a few verses from Psalm 139 to you. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue that behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? This should cause us to be so thankful. We're wanderers, we're lost, we have no hope, we're without God, without Christ in the world. But he says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. In the whole of Luke chapter 15, the whole chapter, Jesus tells three parables with regards to those who are lost. Firstly, the lost sheep, then the lost coin, and then the lost son. The sheep, the coin, and the son all represent lost sinners. And in all three occasions, that which was lost is found, and there is great rejoicing. Nothing and no one, as we've just read in Psalm 139, nothing and no one is hidden from God's sight. All things are naked and open to his sight. See, we are, as we know, and as we constantly read and we're constantly reminded, sinners who are utterly lost and helpless on our own. We neither want God nor love him. The sheep, the coin, and the lost son, they didn't find themselves, did they? No. There was a seeker. One who left everything else to find them. He may possess 99 sheep, safe and well, but if one is lost, he leaves them where they are so he can go and find that one. The woman had 10 silver coins. Nine were safe. 
And she lit a lamp, swept the house, and searched carefully until she found the one. Nine wasn't enough. She needed the ten. She needed that last one. And she did all that she could to find it. The son took his inheritance. He wasted it. He found himself destitute. He found himself rock bottom, almost to the point of having to ease his hunger by eating food fit only for pigs. That's how bad he was. That's how desperate he was. That's how far he'd wandered away. And in verse 17, it says, The son came to himself. When he, had came, when, he, when he came to himself, it's almost like he was saying when he had an epiphany, when he came to himself, when he realized, when he saw, when he was able to see what, what he'd become, where he was, what had happened. Suddenly he realized what he'd done, how he had sinned against his father, and he was not now worthy only to be a servant rather than a son. But how did he come to himself? How did you come to be here? Did you suddenly look at the Bible and see how wonderful it is and develop your own desire for God out of a soul that is wicked and dark and decrepit? How did you come to yourself? How did this lost son suddenly realize? Well, the Bible tells us that only God can open the eyes of the blind. You remember that man who, was, who, who had his sight in the Bible. He was given his sight and, and the Pharisee said, not since the day from the beginning have we heard of a man being born blind receiving his sight because Jesus is the only one that can do it. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke 19 verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. In Luke 4, 18 through 21, Jesus is speaking in the synagogue. He's taken the book or the scroll, as it were, of Isaiah from the, the stacks of scrolls. No chapters, no verses. And he turns straight to this portion and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm here. I've come. And I am here to heal the brokenhearted. And I'm here to set at liberty those who are chained. I'm here to give sight to the blind, which no one else can do. To release those who are oppressed. And he sat to teach them and told them, I am he. Brothers, sisters, friends, 
God has demonstrated his love. Have you ever talked to somebody and they say, God's done nothing for me? Never spoke to me. He's never shown his love toward me. Yes, he has. Oh, yes, he has. Whilst we were still sinners, whilst we, like sheep, wandered astray and went our own way, the way that seems right to a man that leads to death, whilst we were still in that place, Christ died for us. Whilst we were his enemies, we were reconciled. We were brought back to him. We were united to him. The breach that was between us, that couldn't be filled by anything else other than the death of his son and his resurrection, it was bridged. His blood has washed us clean from sin, cleansed our eyes. We might now see the way to God clearly. As our text says, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, Phil said it in his snippet, which again is not a surprise, but it's always very encouraging when somebody brings something that is part and parcel of the sermon you're about to preach. The Lord will never lose his sheep. That's exactly what you said. He won't lose his sheep. He had his hundred. There was 99. One was lost. He found it. He brought it back. And he had his hundred. He won't lose any of them. He knows where they are, even if they don't yet know where he is. He knows where they are, even if they are currently lost. He is their good shepherd. None of his will ever wander too far into the wilderness that our great and mighty God is unable to take them in his strong, firm grip and bring them home. No one is so lost that he can't find them. None of his sheep can go so astray that even when all they consume is from the dirt and only fit for pigs in this world, he will cause them to find that narrow path which leads to life, and it leads to sonship, a cloak, a ring, and a fatted calf, not pig's food. For those of you here tonight who are already his, I want you to be encouraged. I really do. If you know the Lord tonight, be encouraged. God is able to save straying sheep. God is able to save those straying and lost sheep of your fault. Your own family members. He is able. Be assured that the judge of all the earth will do right. And for those of you who may still be straying, who may currently be lost, and you might be asking, how do I find my way? Well, there is only one way, one truth and one life. And that person has a name, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
when asked by the Philippian jailer, who said to Paul, Sir, what must I do to be saved? What did he say to him? He didn't say, come and repeat the prayer, come to the front. Ask Jesus into your heart. He didn't say anything like that. He just said, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I will by no means cast out any who come to me. That's what he said to him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And similarly, Peter told those who heard him preach on the day of Pentecost, repent. What does it mean to repent? It's not just saying sorry. Turning away from that life. It's basically turning your back on your own self, really. Your own wants, your own desires, the sin that you've loved for so long. Turning your back on the pig, pot, on the pig pods. And saying, I've come to myself. The Lord has shown me. I'm going to go. I don't deserve to be your son. I'll come and be your servant. And nevertheless, I'm here. And I'm standing before you. And then the Lord says, there's a cloak. There's a ring. There's a fatted calf. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's simple. It's not hard. Believe. And I say this, let God be glorified in every life here tonight. Trust in him for your families. Because you were a wanderer. And you were no less lost than they. No ability to find your way back. And neither can your sons and your daughters. Neither can your brothers and your sisters. But they're not far from the eyes of God. He knows where they are. And we ought to keep trusting in him. That if he found me, he can find those that belong to me. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. The truth is, Lord, that we have to realize that we were wanderers. Lord, how amazing is it to say that in the past tense? That we were wanderers, we were sheep that have gone astray, we have turned our own way, the way that we wanted. And you let us go. There's nothing here that tells us that you kept some kind of a leash on us and stopped us from going that way. You let us go astray. You let us turn aside to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And you have come and you have took us as that lost sheep onto your shoulders and carried us home. And Lord, we thank you for that wonderful truth. We thank you, Lord God, that you can do the same for all those that belong to us. And I pray tonight, Lord, specifically for every child that's gone astray, for every brother or sister, mother or father, whatever relation it is in the families represented here tonight, Lord God, you can find them. They may be wanderers, Lord God, we have a mighty God, wherever they are, in their minds, in their hearts, and in their lives. You can find them, you can save them, and you can bring them home. Lord, we ask you do that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.